Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to The Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 395 of The Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Merry Christmas, Sarah. Almost. We still have a couple well, a couple weeks to go. But I can say Merry Christmas because it's the holiday season as the song, you know, likes to let us know. So I think Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays is completely relevant right now. It is. It's like actually probably the thick of it as listeners are hearing this. And it's an all holiday episode today. So yeah. it is perfectly appropriate. I accept your Merry Christmas. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we had still some time to breathe before the actual holiday. I feel like with all the work that we put into it, we should get to kind of milk the happy holidays and Merry Christmases for at least two weeks. So I'm just go. starting today. Here we go. <laughs> well, um, this is a listener question episode, the holiday edition, volume four, as you put in the outline, um, which means we don't do it every year because, no. you know, spoiler, we've been doing this show longer than four years. Um, it's actually been a while since we actually devoted a whole listener questions to holiday. We did it in 2016, 17, and 2018, but we haven't done it at all since 2018. Can that possibly be right? So, you know, we always do holiday content. And if you're newer to the podcast, I would definitely recommend going back to past Decembers and listening to all kinds of different holiday Megan and Sarah. We have a lot of like pep talky type episodes. Yeah. So it's not to say we don't have holiday parenting advice. We absolutely tackle it in some way every year. We just I went back and looked and there's a couple of times where we did a listener, a regular listener questions episode in December where there was maybe one question among the bunch. Um, I think we, I know as a content planner, I also sometimes get a little wary of specializing so much because I know people listen to the podcast in all different orders. And if someone comes yeah. across this like in May, you know, I want to meet them where they are too. So I think 
that's part of it is we we try to be a bit evergreen. Get, get yeah. my Christmas pun in there. <laughs> yes. We will um, be talking about evergreen later in this episode, too. Yes, yeah, we will. So that's a long way of saying um, to do a whole episode where we're taking your holiday listener questions. This is the fourth time we've done it and we've taken a few years off. But that's not to say we have not, you know, tackled these topics in other ways because we have. Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion, and because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Olive and June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a mani, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive and June. Yeah, Olive and June's mani system has everything you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out. (laughs) And their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love. Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms. Visit oliveandjune.com slash themomhour for 20% off your first mani system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first mani system. Okay, Sarah, let's dive into our first question. I think this is such an, again, evergreen Christmas topic that so many moms will identify with. So we will listen to her question. Hi, Megan and Sarah. Mallory from Port Coquitlam, BC. Longtime listener. I love the show and love having you guys in my ear twice a week. I look forward to it every week. I've listened to every single episode. My question today is... A Christmas question. Um, I'm wondering how you go about creating traditions in your family for your nuclear family while still including and pleasing the grandparents. My husband is from another province, so we travel every other year to see his family, and I love spending Christmas with them, Um, but it makes it hard that every other year we're away from our own house for Christmas, and then the years that we're here, um, where my family is from, my family would like to do Christmas at 
their house. My mom specifically would like to have Christmas at her house. And I'm just feeling as my kids are getting a little bit older, um, my daughter is five this year and the magic is real. I would really love for Christmas traditions to start and be in my house. But as that's not a possibility every year, I'm wondering if there are any ideas that you have or that you've heard of or that you do to have either a moving Christmas or some boundary setting or uh, just any advice you might have about how I could go about making Christmas be a memory that my children have um, that centers not around everybody else's Christmases, but our own Christmas. Okay. Yeah. Like you said, Megan, I think this is really, really common. In fact, one of the most common refrains we hear generally like surrounds this idea of how do I, as the mom, like make the magic for my kids and help them have traditions that they'll remember and then also deal with all these extended family dynamics. That is for sure. I I would say one of the most common things we hear about. So my first reminder is the drum I will continue to beat, which is just remember, it's not your job and nor is it within your control to um, figure out exactly what your kids will remember about the holidays. So I think like there's a huge amount of just stepping back and right sizing our own role. But I've talked yeah. a lot about that on the podcast over the years. So I'll, that's actually not what I'm going to say to Mallory, it, except that we've said it before and we'll say it again. Um, it's like. Instagram or the internet's idea that this is mom's job. It's, it's not real. That's yes. a, that's a fallacy. Okay. Well, so, can I just quickly add yeah. to that? Cause I also don't want to like repeat myself too much when I respond, but I do want to also say that, uh, the way your kids will remember this later is not necessarily going to be even in the realm yes. of accurate. <laughs> so if it's like every, well, and I can get into that more, but if it's like every other Christmas, you're not doing your thing at home. Your kids may only remember every other Christmas anyway. So, yeah, that control piece, like the <laughs> right. way and actually a good exercise, I think, for all moms is to spend some time journaling or tell somebody, tell your partner, tell a friend what you remember about holidays growing up. And it's it's such an amalgam. I feel like we use that word all the time, um, but it's not a year by year chronological catalog of what was and wasn't accomplished by your own mother. I mean, it's just such a right. more nuanced picture than that. Right. Um, okay. But here's a couple of things from Mallory's question. I did want to highlight, um, one, one thing I might be reading between reading into her voice, but she talked about her kids, um, that this being a very magical time and getting into the magic. She said the magic is real. I'm wondering if one of the questions she has is the actual Christmas Eve magic that happens. Mm. And taking that on the road is like, I am just validating that that is challenging. So if Santa visits your house, um, and your Christmas Eve location, your physical geographical location moves every year, I'm just going to agree with Mallory that it's probably worth, um, talking to some, like chatting in our Facebook group, Googling some things and figuring out what makes sense for your family about how the Santa magic travels with you each year. But you, she didn't come right out and say that. And so when I first heard this question where I wanted to spend a little bit of time, Megan was actually in thinking about all of the traditions and the rituals that 
happen way before you go to grandma and grandpa's house in another province. Because the just remembering that Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and those those few days that you travel is a part of the season. But there is so much memory making that happens. Um, I know they're in Canada for us in the United States. It might be like from after Thanksgiving on or in the month of December. Yeah. And I guess just the things that I've done with my kids over the years that they remember, um, they're not super tied to December 24th and 25th. And in fact, we've done different things for the actual Christmas holiday sometimes been at our house, sometimes been at a family member's house, sometimes had family coming to visit. So in addition to what I know you'll talk about, Megan, about like how kids remember things and and what really makes a tradition, I just want to remind Mallory that she probably does have windows of time where she is a little bit more in control. In other words, if nothing changes, if they always do every other year at her in-laws and every other year at her mother's house in the same town, if none of that were to change and she were to draw no additional boundaries about travel, and, and we know that's like, you, you That's could like decide. the second question, you, right? right? You yes. could decide yeah. to draw some boundaries. But even if you didn't, I would argue that there is Christmasing and memory making happening all season long. And you might really enjoy finding the things that are are magical for your nuclear family. And they just don't all have to happen between like the 23rd and 26th, I guess. I totally agree. Um I know that I have been guilty of, I'm just going to, I'll say that I'm not sure it's a thing to be guilty of, but of being very attached to the dates of like, say the 23rd to the 26th, like you said, and feeling like those dates matter more than any others. But I know that you're right, Sarah. Like when I remember back to my childhood, a lot of the memories are the weeks leading up and I only have specific Christmas morning or Christmas Eve memories of a small handful. And I have a really good memory. Like my childhood memory is pretty spot on. Um, but there are many years where I couldn't exactly tell you what was happening in my house Christmas Eve or, you know, Christmas morning. Um, I, again, though, just reading between the lines of what Mallory is actually asking, is she, is she really trying to get at, and I guess I don't know for sure, just going by what she's saying and, and, you know, the tone, is it really that, she's wanting to figure out how to make sure the magic is happening elsewhere. Or is it that she just doesn't want to go somewhere else? Because that's very legitimate too. And, you know, me, me also being from a Northern land, um, I know how much weather can add a kind of stress to the holiday season when you're traveling. Like that makes it, makes you kind of want to hole up at home. You know, like that was my reality when, Uh, when Jacob was a little baby is that we were traveling from Michigan, a very snowy place to Buffalo, New York, which is perhaps one of the snowiest (laughs) of places. And we were doing that. We did that, I think three years until I finally was like, I can't, I don't want to do, this isn't how I want to do the holiday. It it wasn't necessarily about this isn't where I want my kids to wake up on Christmas morning. Although that was legitimate. It was more like, this is not the experience I want to have surrounding what should be a restful and joyful day for me. So yeah. that's also worth looking into because I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's about for Mallory about, you know, where the Christmas traditions happen or whether she just doesn't really want to travel <laughs> in Canada I, I at think, the end of December. Yeah. Well, and it might be a little bit of everything. I, mm-hmm. what I took away is that she wants, and the very end of her question, she says something about, um, 
having her kids have a memory of Christmas that centers around their own nuclear yeah. family and not everybody else's. And that, um, I, it's I would just, argue they'll have that anyway. They, I think they'll I, have that yeah. anyway. That's kind of yeah. like, that's my point. So then I think it comes back to what you were saying, which is, is she does say she loves spending Christmas with her in-laws yeah. and, and her husband. So that may be something they choose to do. And again, I would just argue that the, the family culture you're bring, you're building around the holidays, if your oldest is five, it's barely starting to scratch the surface of what your kids will look forward to, what they'll remember, um, what you'll want to repeat every year. And like, that's where I think this, this fallacy that we're given that it's our job to manufacture traditions is where really then I get up on my soapbox. Cause it's like, no, no, the traditions are because you look back and you're like, Oh, we always like, we always play this song on our road trip to grandma and grandpa's or like, remember how like this always happens. It's, it becomes a tradition because it sort of organically develops for the most part. I, I understand there are some intentional things that we do around maybe the, the religious celebration of Christmas or the the Santa ritual. And so, of course, there are some things you can be intentional about. But I would say that, that it should be like the 80-20 or the 90-10 with the 90 being like your kids will remember their Christmases because of the way they unfolded in your family, not because of what you did or didn't do. So like you're already doing enough, I guess, is my point. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I think, you know, there's there's just so much to unpack in this specific question. And this is so again, it's so universal. Um, The only other thing I would say is just as you don't have to be the magic maker, the, the soul maker of the magic in your family, and it doesn't have to happen on December 24th or 25th. Also, the in-laws or your parents' Christmas doesn't have to happen on those dates either. Mm-hmm. And there's also a lot, like, like they could throw an amazing Christmas party in their home on December 17th mm-hmm. or January 2nd, right? So if it takes, the, it's like two different things we're talking about here, really. We're talking about dates and like spending Christmas where like the Christmas day and Eve where you are. And Mm -hmm. especially if you're doing things like going to church or whatever, that it it is a little bit tied to a date. Like if you're, if part of your family's thing is you're going to go to like a, um, an evening service or you, something that's happening in your town only happens on those dates. And as your kids get older, sometimes those things start to emerge or like present themselves to you. I hope that as you know, a, uh, a a grandma in waiting, (laughs) Mm-hmm. As I've talked about, like, you know, maybe being to be like, clear, I'm, not like I'm literally a, waiting no, no, right no. now. I'm an aspiring grandmother at this yeah, point. I, I like don't that. I don't actually want to be a grandma yet, but I'm like a like I'm just my eyes on that as being part of my reality in the next 10 years or so. I hope that I will be flexible enough that I could say, hey, I just understand, mom, even if it seems illogical, I understand why you want to be home. On Christmas Eve in your house, you can watch the NORAD Santa tracker yeah. um, and all of that. It might not matter to the kids, but it's okay if it matters to mom. And I yeah. hope Ooh, I, love that. I will, I hope it will be, I will be mature enough. Um, especially considering my four oldest are, are boys and assuming they, you know, end up with um, lady partners. I just hope I'll be mature enough to let them have what I wanted to be let have. And I, even if it's illogical, 
you know, that's just, I hope. Right. So it might, it, 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 there may be a conversation that needs to happen and hopefully all the grandparent, um, figures involved are able to see it the way that you do. Yeah. That's all I would add to that. I love it. Well, um, this next question, we might be able to like, I don't know, offer more practical tips. It's a little, I'm not going to say easier, but it's a certainly a more defined, less hairy topic. Mm -hmm. Um, and that came in from Katie. She said, I was wondering if you have your kids buy gifts for each other for the holidays. My kids are three and five and have, I've started to see other families do this. We tried it last year and it led to meltdowns because the kids (laughs) wanted to buy something for themselves. I wasn't sure if it was something to stick with or let it go. So Katie, kids, are well, I assume, oh, they're three and five this year. So they were two and four last year. Um, Yeah. Like, what have you got for Katie, Megan? I didn't even bother to, to my memory. Now, I could be misremembering because, again, my mom memory isn't 100% accurate about the holidays. But my feeling is that I didn't even bother with anything like this until my kids were like 12 and down. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like the first time we even tried this was when Jacob was 12 and Clara was a baby. And I think what we did, I'm just trying to remember back, is I think that we um, had one parent take two of the kids shopping and the other parent took the other two shopping and they got things for the other siblings. You know, so it was Mm -hmm. like an older and a younger and an older and a younger. Clara was a baby, so she wasn't involved. And then it was like they cross purchased, yep. but it was very parent directed. And we really didn't even bother trying when the kids were, when the oldest were that age, because I guess I must've just known it wasn't going to go well and it wasn't worth it. Like the lesson I would try to impart with that yeah. wouldn't have felt worth it at that yeah. point. Um, then, and then we did it different ways. I have a, a very strong memory of the time that Jake and Isaac were too old for stuffed animals but we took them to build a bear and let them build a stuffed animal for their younger siblings. And that was really special actually, because it was really, it was about everybody. They were too old to play with a build a bear, but they were certainly the perfect age to build one, to build one. Right. And they were able to like incorporate Owen and Will's personalities into it. And they were perfect. Like they were, Great. And we gave them a budget, but we let them kind of splurge. Like they got yeah. to have a sound box and a, um, I don't, I don't, I haven't been to build a bear in forever, but like, you know, they get a, like a, a noise thing that goes yeah. in them. They, they had an outfit. They had like, it was like the whole thing, the whole bear now. Well, one was a dog and I don't remember the other one was, but <laughs> whatever. It was really, really fun. It was like a fun experience for the older kids. And I want to say they were 10 and 12 yeah. or, you know, nine and 11, something like that. Um, and everybody, like everybody won. So that was like a very special moment where it was like yeah. the older kids were just the right age. The younger kids were just the right age. Um, and then we did a year where I gave them each $5 and we went to the dollar store I love that. and I let them go purchase dollar gifts for each other. Yep. And we were all there at the same time. So they had to stay out of the aisles that, that each other like was in. That's like my kids' ages. My kids would love yeah. that at the ages we are right really now. It was really fun. Yeah. It w- and they got each other gag gifts, some of which totally. are still hanging around. Like, I think um, <laughs> Will got someone an enormous bottle of Thomas the Tank Engine mouthwash. <laughs> and I think he got that for, like, Jacob. So Jacob never used it. And that time, I can't bear to throw it away. So it's made now it's made it through, like, three moves. And I just keep <laughs> carting it around. So... 
that and then this year we're doing like a legit secret Santa where uh-huh. each of the kids gets a budget. And I haven't quite well, while we're recording this, we're still um we're still way out. But Will comes home the week of um the week leading up to Christmas. So I think he comes home like on the 19th. So what I actually want to do is have they each are gonna get a $60 budget because I'm actually diverting a lot of my gift giving to their budgets this year, which is oh, very yeah. new and different. Yeah. But I just feel like it just involves them more. And yeah. um, so I think what we're going to do is have two, like two nights where we just kind of, everyone has their gift, but it's like swapped private, like uh, anonymously. And then maybe like the third night we do some kind of reveal, okay, which I, I, I want to have some kind of game around it. I just haven't yeah. quite figured out what that's going to be. So I guess Katie, <laughs> to make a long story short, we have done this all kinds of ways. Yeah. And I don't think you need to feel a lot of pressure at the age your kids are now to do this because you're going to have so many years to figure it out. Um, I do, I do think I, I'm not even going to say I wish I'd done it differently. Um, but I think an opportunity I perhaps missed was to be doing this sooner in a more strategic way to take some of the pressure off me to be the magic maker and the, and to take the pressure off Christmas morning to be like yeah. the one day of all the the gifty joy. So I kind of think I could have started doing something a little more structured like three, four, five years ago. But we've experimented with different things over the years and it's been fun. And so um, I'll just, those are just some ideas I threw out. I think if you want to let it go this year and next year and possibly the year after, I would not blame you. And there will be plenty of years for you to try doing this. Yes. Oh my gosh. I loved that. It was like a little, I felt like it was like a montage through the years, kind of Mm -hmm. like, I love it so much. Well, that's a good place for me to jump in because surprising no one, I did start a little younger and did have a strategy around this for a while, but I totally agree with you that it's going to ebb and flow. And actually we're not doing now what I'm going to talk about what we did do for a few years. But, um, when my kids were probably, I'm going to say starting around four, six and eight five, seven, and nine. So the older two being solidly elementary and then Violet being probably a little too young, but she's looping up, right? Because she's the youngest. What we started doing was one-on-one holiday dates with mom or dad. And so this was like a hybrid of a way to get some one-on-one time and have sort of a Christmassy special time with mom or dad while learning some of the life skills of what it means to pick out something for your sibling, for someone else. And really, truly like with a lot of help and guidance. And the beauty of the one-on-one date is, first of all, that's such a good thing for kids at all ages anyway. And it it allowed us to get out of the house and do something Christmassy. We'd often do it on a weeknight, which felt really mm-hmm. special to them. I remember one time Reed and I just went to Barnes and Noble and Chili's and we didn't <laughs> even go to the mall. We had a Barnes and Noble in our like closest little um, shopping center to our, in our little suburb. And there was a Chili's there and we just had a great time. Um, And he was probably seven, maybe seven or Mm -hmm. eight. So there was always a dinner date or if it wasn't at dinner time, it would be like a lunch or a hot chocolate date. So they looked forward to it. It was festive for me because I got to be out in town. Um, You know, like this is in the years where most of my shopping was honestly online or Amazon. So it was like it kind of forced me out into the real world with but without the pressure. Yes. Doesn't it totally feel different? It's like a fun little date because you're just out helping your kid buy for another kid. It's 
you're yes. not really in charge of this whole thing. That's a, no, that's, and yes, I, I, love I wasn't that. trying to accomplish my other shopping. So right. the goal would be special time with that kid. And then for them to pick out a gift for their two siblings and their other parent. So if I did the date, they were shopping for two siblings and Brian. And if Brian did the date, they were shopping for the two siblings and me. And then what that would mean was that we did a Brian and I did a little scrambling toward the end of the season to cover for a kid who might want to buy for the parent they'd been on a date with. If that makes sense. So if Reed yep. and I did our date, yep. Brian might sneak Reed out and help him pick something little out for me toward the end of the season. If it if it was if it felt like important to that kid, like, oh, I didn't get to get something for mom because she was the one who took me on the date, we'd make that right toward the end of the season. But otherwise, it was one kid, one parent. And I remember being pretty hands-on about mentoring them through thinking about a budget, thinking about what their sibling would like, um, maybe thinking about like what else that sibling might be getting this Christmas or what, like what they're going to be into. Um, it's picking out a gift is really a a skill to learn and kids get a little bit of practice with birthday parties and their friends, but I found it to be really good learning and mentorship time in a very contained container like of like I'm talking about an hour to an hour and a half including the Chili's meal or whatever you decide to do the hot chocolate at Starbucks Um, and then they're learning through that and they love giving that gift on Christmas morning so that's what we did for I don't know four years in a row probably leading up to COVID and then COVID like changed everything about everything including and then my kids got a whole bunch older and so you moved and and we moved and all the things so honestly since covid last year was a bit of a bust and so i'll just share one more anecdote that's like just shows how it's we're not nailing it all the time um my older two kids get an allowance now and my youngest does not yet so there is a i was feeling a little bit like i wasn't sure i didn't really want to fund sibling gifts anymore for at the time they would have been 11 and 13 year olds who got allowances. And I kind of felt like if you want to gift your sibling something, you can use your allowance money or you can make it because I have a lot of makers in my house too. Like a lot of, you know, there's a lot of crafting going on. So last year I was super hands off and lo and behold, two of my children either bought or made very thoughtful gifts for their siblings. And one of my children who shall remain nameless just didn't. Because mm. they didn't care and it wasn't important. And I felt a little, I'm like, Ooh, okay. So maybe like that was too little structure. And it did show like which of my kids is naturally empathetic and not, not, I shouldn't say that just has a natural, like joy in gifting and crafting yes. and making and which of my children does not, but that didn't feel super good to me. So I think this year I will go back in with some, something. And I also have to make it even because two of my kids have an income of a, it's a pretty modest allowance, but they do, they get money every week. So I feel less inclined to fund their generosity. Whereas one of my kids still does not get an allowance. So I think this year we are recording still it's early December and my whole family has been sick. So I'm feeling a little behind, but I'd like this year to find something more like what you described, Megan, like I think the dollar store family outing would be perfect for my family this year, a gag gift, a secret Santa, something that puts enough structure around it so that there's, it's not like the generous kids and the one who doesn't give a crap, which was how last year went. So I think this is fascinating to hear because I am in a place where I decided this year to eliminate the possibility of those dynamics well, those dynamics are always there. <laughs> yeah, to to uh, mitigate those dynamics by just giving the kids the budget, 
right. even the adult kids who have yeah. jobs and their yeah. own income, because I didn't, I wanted it to feel, and you know me, I'm not big on like fairness when it comes for every, like everybody being spent the same amount of money. That's not a thing that I do. Like, I don't think about, I don't think about gifting that way. I don't have a budget that means I'm going to spend a hundred dollars on each kid or whatever. Yeah. I, that's not how I do it. But when it came to siblings giving each other gifts, I wanted to put a monetary amount to it because I wanted it to feel like they were able to have a little license to get cool stuff for yeah. each other. And for older kids, that's hard to do um, unless it's gag gifts or a buck, which is fun in its own way. And I wanted it to be I wanted it to be fairly directed by me at this stage because it's all going to be happening under my roof and there's still children involved. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I would feel differently, I think, if they were all adults, then I don't need to be part of it anymore yeah. at all. And if they were all little kids and some had allowances, maybe I'd feel differently. But I felt weird to basically say, we're all going to do this thing. And then you have to spend your own money on it. Because yeah. even, you know, even my adult kids, even though they have jobs, like they're spending their money on a variety of things right now yeah. that I don't need to well, be involved and in. And my kids last year were getting, still are getting so much good loot from right. grandparents and stuff. I yeah. think that's why I felt a little grinchy about like, I'm not going to now give you more money to buy your sibling. Anyway, it just, yeah, it's, I'm not, yeah. I'm not being and in my case, but like, yeah. Yeah. In my case, it's a diversion of my budget. Exactly. To this, right. Exactly. But the one thing that I have found very interesting is that doing a, um, doing a, uh, a drawing. It's so interesting to see which kids got which siblings and the challenges that's creating because in any sibling group, particularly when there's an odd number of kids or a large span, age span. There's just kids who are more connected to each other and yeah. kids who are not. And in some cases, the siblings, well, they all love each other. They like each other's company. But I've had now a couple of kids say come to me and say, I, I just don't know what to get. So and so like, they're so weird. What are they into? Or like, <laughs> I don't. And I said, you know what? That's adulthood right there. Yes. Like, Buying for people who you don't know what's going to make them happy is a very powerful lesson. Welcome to the holidays. <laughs> Welcome to the holidays. We're all miserable. Obligatory um, family yeah. misery yeah. gifting. But it was like, and then I have, just like you, I have a kid who doesn't really care about gifts. And I think I, I, think I know which kid of yours it is. Yep. And it's the one that's just like one of my kids yep. who's the yep. same way. Doesn't care about gifts. Doesn't care about giving. Doesn't care about um, getting. And and I'm like, okay, but the niceties, the doing the social niceties is part of learning life. Yeah. So we're going to figure this out together. Yes. I'm just going to give you that. some money and I'll help you. Yes. But like, it's not going to be fun and easy for you. And that's okay too. Like yes. Christmas does not, especially for my 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 <laughs> year old and above kids doesn't have to be all joy and magic. A lot yep. of it's learning. And, it is um, learning. You that, are still, yeah. you, you are doing the same kind of mentoring as I was doing in the Barnes and Noble with a seven-year-old. We're still right. doing it. And I actually, I really love and appreciate that like approach because I can be so all or nothing. It's like, I'm going to micromanage every inch of this, or I'm going to expect you to like have learned it already and not have to do anything. So I love, I love <laughs> there's that. Some, there's sometimes a long off ramp middle ground yes. <laughs> between like between the you know, being taught and the figuring it out for yes. yourself. There's, yeah. there's so much between those two things. So yeah. that was well, a very I, long winded response to what seems like a very simple question, but no, but we covered, <laughs> we covered a lot in there and I was laughing because yeah. I'm 42 and my siblings are 40 and 30 young something, um, 34, 33. Um, 
And we are still the last couple of years being like, hey, so are we buying for each other this year? So I'm just laughing like, yeah, I don't know. Do we it's have just to do like, that? Is this? Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy buying for my siblings, but there's also budgets and real life to keep in mind. So it's it's yeah. like it never really ends. And whatever you're doing as a mom now is not what you need to do forever. I guess to bring it back to Katie and her three and five year old, I think you could sit out the next five years and we've just given you. 14 ideas for what to do after that when they're 10 and eight. Right. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sarah, our sponsor Haya is back on the show today. And I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk. Most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician approved superpowered chewable vitamin was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, Sarah, I'm about to read our next question, but I have to tell you right now that when I came in, I'm, I'm recording in my bedroom today. It's a, it's a cozy December day and it felt like the right thing to do. Um, but I accidentally shut both of my cats in my bedroom with me. And so my, my older kitty Gia is snuggling up on my lap right now, looking at me like, but I'm a good kitty because I never attacked Christmas trees. And then she's like, do not bring me into my- this question. <laughs> Exactly. And then down by my feet, I've got like a very naughty Petra kitten who seems absolutely um, just completely determined to wreck my house in all of the ways. And I know you're there, too, with your kittens. So I will read this next question from Samantha. This came from our Facebook group. And it's essentially cat. Well, I read this as cat versus Christmas, but it's cat versus (laughs) Christmas tree. But it could be both. Okay. Here's the question. We have a five-year-old cat who has never messed with the tree. She likes to sit under it like a present. That's it. I swear Gia right now is listening and going, that's me. That's um, me. I'm the good one. <laughs> exactly. We've had her since she was six months old, Samantha says. Our seven-month-old chubby kitty, on the other hand, likes to attack it, climb in it, and sit in it. Spraying him with a water bottle does not work. He's a rebel. How do we get this curious kitten to stay out of the tree or is there no hope? Tips and solidarity appreciated. And then there was just like a long Facebook. Oh my gosh. That was really fun to read. 
I mean, it was um, everything with ideas and also yeah. like give up now because it's not yeah. happening. Exactly. Yeah. I really liked like there was some definitely like some fatalistic like thoughts and prayers go to you, Samantha. Like there's nothing you can do. <laughs> and then there were some some helpful tips, too. OK, this it, w- it was too fun not to take this onto the podcast. It did originate in Facebook. First of all, the, the similarities are striking. So you, Megan, have the adult cat and the seven month old. And I have two seven month old. I think they're seven months old right now. So my kittens are we got them as babies, like nursing nurslings. And we actually fostered their mother, too. So we've had them since July. They are exactly seven month old, seven months old. And they are brother and sister. And their names, by the way, are brother and sister. I don't know that I've said that on the podcast, but that's a fun. I wasn't that, even sure that was the case until you finally like. Yeah, we never. Said, named yeah, no, them. we never named them. Yeah. So their names are brother and sister, which now is like kind of funny in its own right. So this is a fun coincidence because Samantha's talking about a situation that's like almost identical to yours, Megan. And then I've got the two seven month olds and they are totally naughty. So I was laughing when she was saying like spraying with a water bottle doesn't work. Like that's where I am is like these guys are. They are naughty and there are two of them. So um, I don't know what the answer is. I was hoping that our listeners would have good tips, but um, I will just report so far. So we have our first artificial Christmas tree. We made the switch this year. Actually, last year I made the switch because I bought the artificial tree at an after Christmas online sale. So I've known that I was going to make a switch from real to fake. And I feel at peace with that decision. Um, and I'm excited about it. And my tree, I ju- we just set it up and it is beautiful. And so I, even though I'm just obsessed with these kittens and I really have a pretty high tolerance for their antics because I think they're so cute. I have been a little fearful. I don't want them to like chew wires or wreck this nice tree. It's really mostly about the tree itself because it was a big investment and I'm, it's new to me. Um, so I think our plan is to just watch them carefully. We did lay a little bit of, I got this, I'll link it up in the show notes, but I got this stuff that is meant for plants and garden beds where it has these plastic, they're like spikes, but they're not going to break the skin spikes. They're just, it would make it uncomfortable to walk on. So we did put some of that underneath, hoping to dissuade them from going all the way under and then climbing up the interior. That's the part I really don't want. I assume they're going to bat at ornaments. I assume they will try to open presents. Should we place presents under the tree? Like I, it's like, yeah, I kind of assume a lot of this is a lost cause and I'm really only in it to protect the expensive tree. That was like such a long way of, I have no tips. I have no idea how this year is going to go. Well, I'm glad I, I just I love that we're in this. I love that we're both in the kitten situation together, Sarah, yeah, because you know that I've talked about getting a kitten forever. And then you'd like without trying to influence me just to go ahead and do it. And this kitten is just the best. Everyone loves our kitten so and we very should much. Tell people that ours ended up being within days of each other, the same age, yes. even though I got mine. They were four weeks old. They were so tiny and you didn't get Petra till she was what 10 or 11 weeks or something. Yeah. And we, yep. we did the math. And then within a couple of days, we finally, we were both doing the spay surgery, spay and neuter around the same time. And I actually didn't have ours, ours exact date of birth and neither did you. And then we got them and they're like three days apart. Yeah. They're so close in age, which I think is just really, really fun. And we're just having a ton of fun having this new kitty. And I will say Gia, um, our older kitty is also now regaining her youthful qualities in a way. Like she's never been a big player ever. Like she yeah. even we got her. She'd seen some stuff like her life had been rough and she's just never been a very playful kitty. But now she plays and it's really it's really fun and endearing to watch. Um, 
She's also, they're very needy and snuggly. And so right now she's like, she's just on me needing a lot of attention. And, and Petra's not like that. She's more securely attached, healthily right. attached. Appro- appropriately. <laughs> appropriately attached. Exactly. Um, but she is going to destroy the tree. So a couple of things yeah. I wanted to say. The, we, the kids and I talked about this the other day because there was this funny moment the other day where um, Petra batted a, a Monopoly hotel under the fridge and okay. then looked up at the boys and they <laughs> fished it out and gave it back to her. And she, without even like blinking, batted it right back uh-huh. under. And so she now knows that we yeah. will re- like retrieve things for her. It's like a toddler, like throwing things off the high chair tray. Um, I did suggest to the kids that maybe we would only decorate the top of the tree, mm-hmm. but it, it depends. So again, recording this, I haven't even gotten our tree yet. We will in the next week or so. So by the time this airs, I'll know much more, but like, what if this, what if the way this particular kitten's naughtiness comes out is that she climbs the tree, that it doesn't really matter what we do. Right. Right. Cause if she climbs it, she's not really big enough to knock it over. I don't think she's still pretty little, but that doesn't mean she couldn't climb to the top and knock everything off the top or but she's like a cat who likes to bat things so maybe she'll just be on the ground batting or maybe she'll take a flying leap across the room right and land in the tree like I have no idea what she's going to do so there's that and then I wanted to just add to this conversation that for the very first time I am considering getting a fake tree um it's not really about the cat but I will say that I have been team real tree forever, like yeah. since birth. And I'm just starting to see some of the practical reasons why a fake tree makes a lot of sense. One yeah. being that I can just kind of do it myself. Like right now I'm waiting on there being someone who either wants to go with me or my ex has taken one of the kids, but that was always Will and Will's at school. And like, there's just a lot of reasons that it would make a lot of sense for me to just be able to set up a fake tree on my own and not have to have the hassle or the expense of going out every single year and doing it. Or worrying about watering it if I'm gone or whatever, right? Yeah. But does that enter in at all into the cat question? I don't know the answer. Well, so I will bring in our Facebook group comments now because since we've been so profoundly unhelpful, someone, <laughs> but although this thread is not that helpful either, it's that's what makes it so funny to me. Um, but Megan in the group said, is it fake or real? Apparently they don't like the smell of real trees. So, it, um, so maybe that is, Helpful, like a real tree that oh. stay away from. And then Laura jumped in and said, I was that about was to never my experience the opposite. Growing up, though. She said, <laughs> yeah. my parents had to switch from real to fake when they had a cat. So like, basically you're, you're, um, you know, you're in trouble either way, whether you have real right. or fake. Um, okay. Hopi, this made me laugh so hard. <laughs> she said, whenever any of our cats messed with the tree, I rushed at them stomping and yelling. It scared them so much. They didn't mess with it after that. Maybe that would work and hopefully not terrify them for life. And Samantha wrote back. She said, I just don't have that kind of energy. Um, so that made me laugh because that's kind of how I am with dog, like major dog, um, infractions. I, I do get kind of scary with, or like just for that moment to kind of hopefully startle them. I don't know. It's probably not effective. Maybe people are going to come at me for that. But I just, I don't have that kind of energy with my kittens either. It's like, Oh brother, we say, Oh brother. Cause that's his name. And then we're like, Oh brother, yeah. get it. He's in the tree again. Um, and, and hope he said, maybe it's a good year to pay to tape a paper tree to the wall. And that made <laughs> me laugh so hard. I don't know. I mean, I think she was like kind of joking, but it's basically like, okay, maybe the year that they're kittens is just going to be like, 
it's a disaster going to no be a disaster. What. And that made me think of when Violet was, she has a January birthday. So the, her first Christmas, she was 11 months old. She was already a stinker, you know, with the twinkle in her eye and she was a fast crawler. She was not walking. And I just made an executive decision that we were not going to get a regular Christmas tree, which in retrospect, I'm kind of impressed with myself because my other kids were three and five or two and three and five. You might have put a lot of pressure on yourself. Yeah, Yeah. you would have thought like that's like prime magic making like we can't break from tradition at this point. And instead, I got um, a few fake, small, inexpensive, like cheapo fake ones. And I put them up high. We had this kind of built in recessed area above our mantle and we put them up there. So there were lights and and trees to look at. And we put the presents up high and we had nary a tree or ornament or present in reach of a crawling 11 month old. And like that year just went by. And then the next year we had a tree again. So I guess like if we're going to open this up to not just be about kittens, like just like we say about everything, it doesn't, you, you can have an off year and come back to the tree that you want. And I do think older cats hopefully will mellow out. Right. I don't want to do this for like 20 years with my cats. I I do think that they, they typically do. I don't think all cats stay kitten like their whole life. Some do, some do, but you know, you don't hear about like rampant tree spoilage with people who have older cats. And yeah. I don't remember that being a part of my upbringing. I always had cats. I don't remember yeah, it being so a thing I. at all. Me actually. Um, I, I just, the only thing I really remember is my mom being really nervous about tinsel with our cats, which that, you know, the ones that we used to get back in the eighties, yeah. the icicles, we still did it. She was just like very paranoid about any of it falling on the ground. That's the only thing I remember Were my mom being like, eat if it? You, what was she worried yeah, about? Yeah. Because if they eat it, it'll like wrap around their intestines. And then they die. Yeah. So it's really bad. So but nobody does that anymore. But I do. That was the only thing I remember my mom always saying, like, we can't let any icicles fall on the floor. If they yeah. fall on the floor, we have to pick them right up. Um, otherwise, it just really wasn't a thing. And I'm with you. Like, first of all, I don't have the energy to chase after my cats or spray them with water or, or whatever. Or get really big and loud and yell. Yes. But I also don't want to spook my very sensitive cat because she'll pee on stuff. She needs to be calm. Like Gia really needs a calm environment. And if I turn our house into like the holiday horror show for her, it's not going to end well for my laundry. Let's just put it that way. So, um, yeah, it's all very delicate, but I totally agree with you that like maybe whether it's a crawling toddler or a kitten or a puppy or mom just doesn't feel like it this year. I do think you have more a window of grace that maybe you didn't even realize you had. And the years that have the biggest magic associated with them aren't necessarily the years your kids will remember the best later either. Mm-hmm. Like three, four, five, six, maybe very magical years, but that doesn't mean your kids are going to have locked down memories later That's true. That's of exactly true. how you did things during those yeah. years. That's kind of the beauty of it. Like, I think you can mix things up a bit. They're, they're easy to please in a way because yes. whatever magic you throw at them, they're going to gobble it up for the most part. So yep. I yeah, I agree. Well, I don't think we solved anything there, but whatever. No. And (laughs) hopefully, hopefully um, we will be able to share maybe on Instagram or in the Facebook group how it goes once. Like as we record this, my tree just got up yesterday and it doesn't have ornaments on it yet. So this is this is a rapidly evolving situation in both of our houses. And um, yeah, thank you, Samantha, for inspiring that conversation. Um, this last question is kind of perfect as we wrap up holiday listener questions, because it is about 
putting things away after the holidays. So Lauren wrote in and she said, every year I struggle when it comes time to take down the holiday decorations. It feels like such a downer, just chucking things into plastic bins and random cardboard boxes. Help me reframe it maybe as a positive moving on type ritual. Also any storage and, or also any tips on storage and organization are also welcome. So, uh, Megan, do you want to start here? Yeah. Um, I have had years where I really avoided this task and I hear you for the most part. I really look forward to it though. I, I almost set aside as much hoopla time for that as I do putting the holiday decorations up. I have always, every year I put the, um, holiday cards that I've gotten, I save them. Um, I just chuck them into the same bin that I put the holiday decorations in, Mm -hmm. which is such a fun little surprise because when I open, like when I, when I'm decorating the tree, I get to the bottom of that bin. I'm like, Oh, here they all are. And I just flip through them really quick. And I have some that are 15 or more years old of people's sometimes people are like, who is this again? (laughs) I have to remember like how I even remember that person. I don't keep every single card, but I keep a lot of them and I put them in with the Christmas decorations because that just it's such a great time of year to just reflect back over holidays past. And I also take that time to eliminate things from the bin that has that haven't been used for a while. So if there's a decoration that didn't make it out this year or last year, chances are good. I'm just done with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, it's a great time of year if you're going to do any after Christmas sale shopping, which I don't do normally as a practice, but I, that's not to say I never pick something up. So if it's like, oh, I just picked up this thing because I happened to see it when I was at Target or whatever, and it was really cute. It's a good time to pack that up. So I, I actually look at it as kind of a, a way to lovingly touch all the items that I treasure and wrap them up and listen to holiday music and drink my tea or cocoa or wine or whatever, you know, whatever time of day it is or whatever mood I'm in. And I just make a whole thing out of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I sort of shamelessly set that side, that time aside, just like I would the time I set aside for putting everything out. So Sarah, I have a feeling you do something similar, but I'm curious. I think I am similar. And well, when I read this, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be very helpful because I love putting away Christmas. I love the fresh start of January. I'm not, I don't do it like the day after Christmas, but I would say I do it between say the 27th and the first sometime. It depends on if we're traveling. It depends on where we're spending the holiday. It depends on a lot of things, but, um, I, I love the cleanliness of a post Christmas house. And so I, at first I was like, well, I think Lauren might just be cut differently, built differently. And that's also okay. I think there's, there's a, a melancholy to the holidays that I just want to give permission and like leave space for, for Lauren, that it's like, it just might be a sad ritual for you. And I don't want to like, like spit shine that to the point or reframe that to the point that it like, I guess, glosses over those real feelings because they're real. Um, I do think she's asking for like maybe some small ways to reframe. So I was going to say like, if you have, if you think about your home in January and what, what feels festive to you, it might just be like a minimalist clean look like post holiday, Mm -hmm. or maybe you like a few white twinkle lights and like a pine scented candle and some like snow themed decor. I wonder if like thinking about what your January, like 
house and envisioning what that might look like. And then if you maybe treat yourself to just a couple of things, like a new candle or new dish towels or something that makes it feel like you're not just ending the magic of Christmas, but that you're actually getting out your January. These are my January decorations. Even if all that is, is like a very minimalist, like reset. Um, but yeah. that's something that I really look forward to. And I love like the, the chaos and the excess of, of Christmas, but I really love when it's over also. Like I really love yeah. that, that reset. So maybe this year there's something that you can bring out in January. That was one of my ideas. Um, I do a lot of the same things as you, Megan, about how I put things away and like using it as just kind of an opportunity to see those same decorations and then see them away every year. I will, on a very practical note, share that we had some garage mice build a nest in one of our Christmas bins this past year. So we will be um, probably upgrading to something with a better lock lid. Like it was a, it was a Tupper, you know, it was a Sterilite bin with a lid, but like it needs to be more secure this year. So that is something that we will be doing. Um, something that always makes me smile is like we wrap a lot of our ornaments in old newspapers. And sometimes I will look at the newspapers themselves and see like, what, like what, where did this even come from? Or like, there was like a jewel Osco plastic bag that was part of like, how we packed up this one set of ornaments. And I'm like, I have not been to a Jewel Osco since 2003 in Chicago. Yeah. Like, it's like this stuff follows you. That's 20 years. It's of, like a time capsule. It is like a time capsule. So that's maybe a reframe. Okay. Let me just quickly um, remark upon the upgrade of the bins. I have been using, like, I think when I first got Christmas bins for my Christmas stuff, it was probably 20 plus years ago. When I got them and I okay. went, I probably purchased the cheapest ones. They're, they're Rubbermaid or something. They're fine. Yeah. But um, they could also use an upgrade. I think I would like to do all clear with locking lids because mm-hmm. right now I just have all, they're all either dark green or red. And I don't remember which, there is a strategy to which ones you pull out <laughs> first, you know, because yeah. the ones with the lights might need to come out before the ones with the ornaments. And, right, and I right. tend to put yeah. out um, certain decorations before I put out other decorations. Like it doesn't all come out on one day. I I stagger it through the season. So I think this year purchasing some clear or maybe like something, some kind of a color coding system or, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, you wouldn't think that I was hugely into organization, but I can get pretty excited about color coding and things when I see the reason to do it or when there's like a ritualistic, you know, feeling behind it. So, um, I think that that will be something like purchasing some new, some new containers will be something that makes us all feel a little more fun this year. I love getting rid of stuff so, yeah. so much um, that that gives it a little extra joy. And then the other thing I wanted to add is that Lauren doesn't have to feel pressure. I love that you said you don't always do it December 26th. Maybe it's whatever date. I have sometimes waited until middle of January because I just wasn't ready. Yeah. And sometimes if you just don't feel ready, okay, yeah. you're just not ready yet. Like give yourself some space and time to put things away in a day th- that you're in the right headspace for it, that you're ready to make that transition yeah. so it doesn't feel empty. So you don't yeah. like just get everything put away because you have to, but now there's nothing there. Or like yeah. you're not now happy with your space. Like wait yeah. until you have the time, the energy, the brain space, the new stuff, whatever it is you need. Yeah. It's okay if that doesn't happen until January 9th or 12th or 
you maybe just your kids are with you all. Like my kids will be with me till January 9th this year. Yeah. So I probably won't even touch our Christmas stuff till the week after. And that's okay. Yeah, that is okay. Um, I thought of two practical things while you were talking. Um, one is that I think this was an accident and not intentional, but I'm so glad the bins we store our tree ornaments in are these very large, but very flat. They're like under bed, um, Rubbermaid bins. So the reason that has worked really well is you don't end up with gravity stacking ornaments on ornaments, which means you don't have to be very precious or very careful about protecting the individual ornaments. Like some of ours, if they're glass or really breakable, we do kind of wrap them in newspaper or some bubble wrap. But many of them just go right into the bin because they're not likely to get as tangled or to like smush each other because it's like one flat layer. And I think we have three of those flat under bed Rubbermaid and they stack on top of each other, of course, but that's that doesn't crush the ornaments. And then it also works really well. You can fold up a tree skirt. You can it's like it's just a different shape of bin that has worked really well for tree ornaments. So that if you're reinvesting in bins, highly recommend that. Um, And then we've also had fun with always having a bag of what I call escaped Christmas through January. (laughs) And that is the things you find around the house. It'll be like a beanie baby snowman that you prefer to keep. Like, and so the kids all know where, and so everyone, someone will be like escaped Christmas. And so there's like, it turns into sort of like an unofficial scavenger hunt or, you know, it's not, not really, there's no prize or anything, but it's just, we we're we are all on the lookout for things that escaped the original packing update. And I just have a tote bag or some basket or something. And, and then eventually, but maybe not till March, who knows? Like when, when that escaped Christmas, the final, final collection of items will make it back into, you know, into the rightful bin. So those are two other practical things. Escaped Christmas is such a fun way to put it. And I, (laughs) unfortunately, the last few years have been a little sloppy about escaped Christmas. And those things have made their way into just like a box, not a bin. And I had some issues with mildew um, and critters in my escaped Christmas box. So I, I should probably just get myself a bin specifically for escaped Christmas. I like that. Yeah. Or just, um, like give yourself a deadline. Like I feel like by, by mid February, March, it's like, okay, there's this little pile or this little bag hanging on a doorknob somewhere. And it's, it needs to like go to its rightful place. Otherwise, like you said, it will become part of our entire year. So well, Lauren, I hope that um, helps a little bit. And I don't think you're alone. It is it is a happy yeah. sad. It's a sad, sad. Um, I wrote an essay Bitter a few sweet. years ago <laughs> up called Christmas Trees on the Curb that I really loved, yeah. actually. Oh, so I'm going to link that. that up. And it's about the putting away of the kind of bittersweet. So I'll link that up as well. It's on our blog. Sarah, I do have to ask you, just because I'm curious now, how many Christmas bins would you say you have? And what? how full is each one? I feel like Brian, if he's like in the house, I should have called him in for this because he would not approve. He would know. (laughs) Well, he would know and he would disapprove of my curation. I'm not as good. I'm normally really good at getting rid of stuff. And you like you said, you really like to. For some reason with Christmas, I'm like, oh, it can just stay in the bottom of the bin, even though I hate it. There's something like weirdly I'm more hoarding that kind of stuff. So I'm going to say six, five, six. And that does not count the tree ornaments. So maybe like seven or oh. eight. Yeah. But they That's I think lot. they could be they could be better packed, Megan. Like some of well, them we've right. just acquired more. 
Yeah, and we have yeah. some front yard stuff now. We have like a little snowflake projector light. We have some things that take that are we have a lot of um books still, a lot of picture books, and those are really heavy. Um, and I have a lot of linens. I love Christmas linens. So I usually wrap and oh, I have dishes. I have a whole set of dishes. So I have a lot. Um, and I do usually wrap breakables in the linens and then I wash the linens when they come out and I wash them before they go back in. So that's another tip. Yeah. I, have a I lot. also, I also wrap what I actually do is wrap up our, um, ceramic Christmas breakables in stockings, in the stockings. And I put the yeah, stocking right. hangers also in the stockings. They're not actually breakable, but they could scratch. They're like yeah, that. They're heavy. Painted yeah. enamel. Yeah. Um, I think I probably at this point have four regular size, like Rubbermaid bins. And then the box that's sort of the rando box that yeah. I should probably not do. But sometimes I've had a hard time with like the linens making their way into our regular holiday cabinet. We have like a place where we keep sort of the like the seasonal stuff. Like yeah. I've got a few the tablecloths or the um, napkins that are maybe for a certain season or things like the salt and pepper shakers that I've got. I just have a few little odds and ends like that for each for each holiday because I don't go super all in on every holiday. Um, Christmas is the definitely. Yeah, the I don't either. Yeah. yeah, I don't have this. But kind of sometimes thing for... certain Christmas things will wind up accidentally in that area. So I think I could use a better system. And I'm in a new house this year, so yeah, you've, you've year. moved and you've done a lot of good curation. I did. I something in the last few years that's changed is we were gifted a set of Christmas dinnerware, and I fully change out our. And then I've added to that over the years myself, and I have to. I'm cut off. I, I don't need to buy any more. Um, I would actually really love to have Christmas dishes. I would yeah. really love so, it. So I have this maybe I'll Christmas shop for that tree. after Christmas. Yeah, you should. It goes yeah. on sale a lot. And then you can add and you can ask for it for gifts. And anyway, yeah. um, but what I was going to say, that is why the bins are more because I and I I switch out. So I take all of our regular plates and dishes and glassware now and I put those in the bins and they go away. The nice thing about that, too, is I wipe down my cabinets like I do a complete reset. That's extra. Like you people yeah. don't need to do that, but it is fun for me. So. Yeah. All right. Well, this was really fun. Those were actually, even the questions I thought were going to be more like practical kind of like it brought up big questions. So yeah, great exactly. questions, everyone. And we are going to see everybody on Instagram tomorrow, right, Megan? Yeah. So this is something we've been talking about um, a little bit lately that we are doing special content only for subscribers on Instagram. So this is a special thing. Instagram just rolled out a couple months ago and you basically just go to our Instagram account and hit subscribe. And then you get access to to some, you know, fun behind the scenes stuff we do every now and then. But then um, what you're guaranteed to get is one uh, extra special subscriber only Insta live every month. And we're going to be kind of riffing on, you know, our holiday habits tomorrow. And so we'll get to it's it's fun because it's more visual. And then we open up the chat afterward where different the subscribers can talk to each other, which is really yeah. fun. Um, and we weigh in on that, too. Really fun. So, yeah, um, if you're catching this after it's already happened, you can still still subscribe and catch the one coming up in January. So thanks for listening, everybody. Megan, this was fun. And we will talk to everybody next Tuesday. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. 
You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, everyone. Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave The Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button, and then scroll all the way to the bottom, and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.